0: Welcome to the Injury Law Pod, the podcast that explores and demystifies the complex world of personal injury law. Each week, Missouri personal injury attorney Eric Bartlett dives into the legal issues surrounding personal injury cases to help you understand your rights and options when seeking justice and compensation for personal injuries. Join Eric as he shares his experience in real life case studies, interviews guests, and answers your questions about personal injury law. The information Eric shares will help level the playing field if you have a personal injury claim. So sit back, relax, and let's explore the world of personal injury law together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Injury Law Pod. I am your host, Eric Bartlett, 27-year personal injury lawyer, and we continue on with our mission of denying Dr. Evil also known as insurance companies. Their goal of providing injured people fair compensation when they're hurt. So in that effort, uh, we've been going through the anatomy of a car accident injury claim. And we've gone all the way from before the accident ever happens to the last episode, which was the claims process and what it looks like dealing with the insurance company. And now we've gotten to a point where the settlement is not going to happen for whatever reason. I covered a lot of different scenarios in that episode. And what we do know is now we've got to move it to the next stage to get the claim resolved and that next stage is a lawsuit and so that definitely requires a lawyer if you're going to get it done right I think I can safely say that I talked about a little bit uh, you could file something in small claims court if that was something or if your claim is something that Fits within that category, but for the most part, you're going to want a lawyer. So I put the tie on today. I'm ready to jump into getting into court. And uh, here we go. So, what does it look like to file a loss? Well, it's kind of funny because when I'm in jury trials, I hear lawyers, defense lawyers, insurance lawyers, uh, they're usually asking potential jurors um, questions about whether you, they're just going to automatically believe whatever the injured person says. And one of the ways they do that is they like to have a, a little statement about, do you know, it just takes a piece of paper filed with the court to get a lawsuit going. And that's sort of true but it takes usually several pieces of paper and it does take some money. You have to pay some filing fees and you have to pay, uh, either to have the sheriff serve the legal paperwork, or if you're going to utilize a private process server person, got to pay them. But everything does start out with paperwork. And what happens is, uh, We, as the people making the claim, prepare what's called a petition for damages. And that petition for damages lays out the allegations that we have against the person or persons or businesses or whatever that might look like that we allege caused our client an injury and why we think they're responsible for those injuries. And you get that filed with the court. And then the process starts from there. And the process begins by the court getting everything on file, getting a judge assigned to the case. And then also they issue a summons. And the summons is what goes with that petition for damages. And that has to get personally served on the people getting sued, which is only fair, right? If you're getting sued, you should be getting actual physical notice that you're being sued. So it would not be fair if it was just required that you put something in a newspaper or some other way. That's not personal service, because once you're getting sued, you need to have the right to defend yourself. So what happens is basically either the sheriff or a private process server gets the summons and gets that paperwork and they go out. And sometimes it's hard to find a defendant. Sometimes they've moved. Um, There's a lot of reasons that it can become difficult to track down a defendant, but assuming they haven't moved or assuming we've done our work to track them down, we get the actual paperwork in the defendant's hands. Now, generally speaking, the defendant is going to turn this over to their insurance company. And at that point, the insurance company is going to provide a lawyer, they're either going to hire a law firm they use, or maybe they have an internal legal department with lawyers on staff. But either way, lawyers with the insurance company are going to get involved and they're going to file paperwork in response to the paperwork that was filed by us on behalf of the injured person. And once all of that happens and everybody's in the lawsuit. And again, this could take some time because if you're trying to track people down, um, sometimes you you bring an action against somebody, that person or that business thinks somebody else is responsible. So now they want to go and they want to get somebody else sued. And then more time goes by while they're doing that but once all the dust settles everybody's in the lawsuit really one of the biggest first things that we personally do is we get a trial date and the reason that's important is because that sort of acts as a deadline to this whole thing so a trial date is just that you're going to ask, go to the court, ask them for a date that a jury can hear your case. And the problem is with the court system, generally speaking, let's say you go there early on in the lawsuit. Well, you're generally looking at about a year later for a court date. And so if you wait, and you kind of go through the various steps of the lawsuit and then you ask for a trial date. Well, now let's say you've gone six months, nine months down uh, the way, doing the things that are required in a lawsuit that we're going to talk about here. And then you ask for a trial date. Well, now you just delayed it even that much further. Now in some of your smaller rural counties, at least here in Missouri, they won't let you ask for a trial date until you're kind of all done with all the stuff that goes into the lawsuit process but generally speaking when you go there and ask for a trial date then it's a much quicker turnaround because they're that's how they're operating so they're kind of ready to go and they don't have as big of dockets as many cases pending, you know, here, say in Kansas City or St. Louis or, you know, these bigger cities, there's a lot going on. As you might imagine, there's a lot of cases. So there's there's just a a big line of people waiting to get their day in court. So something to keep in mind is, again, if you don't utilize a lawyer that It's their primary practice for injury law. They can certainly, again, these can fall by the wayside because maybe they don't realize that they need to be getting on top of the ball early on, getting that trial date. And, uh, that way they're not essentially wasting time. Um, or the other problem I kind of talked about in previous episodes, which is unfortunately there's a lot of other things grabbing their attention. So the injury claim that is now work and a process that can kind of get pushed to the side and delay can happen, unnecessary delay. So just keep that in mind that, um, you know, generally speaking, you want your lawyer going up and getting that trial date so that there's a deadline in place. Because at the end of the day, the deadline is what gets the insurance companies to really pay attention. They know that if this thing isn't resolved on their own between the parties, then it's gonna go in front of a jury. And, you know, if this is a solid case and there's, there's concern there on the part of the insurance company that, you know, they may uh, have a bad day in front of a jury, they're going to work to get it done before it ever gets in front of a jury. And that's why, you know, the vast majority of our cases settle before they go to court. Um, We work them up. Well, we work them up to get in front of a jury. Uh, But by doing so, then that puts a lot of pressure on the insurance company to finally get a fair offer on the table and and get the claim resolved. So other things that go on during a lawsuit. So there's a process called discovery. And the discovery process has a couple different components to it. The first one is basically submitting written questions uh, to the other party. So for example, as the person making the claim, and by the way, the person making an injury claim is called a plaintiff. And I don't know, that's been around, for a very long time. Uh, So that's a legal word that came about and um, that's what they're called. So if you have a lawsuit going on and you're making a claim for injuries against another person or a business, like I said, whatever that may be, then you are a plaintiff in the lawsuit. And these written questions come out. uh, we, We generate them and we send them over to the other side and we can either send them over with the petition when it got served uh, by the sheriff or by that process server, or once a lawyer's involved, we can send them to the lawyer. And then there's timelines uh, that have to be followed for getting those answers. And just like we can do that, the defendant, the person being sued, Can do the same so they will send written questions and you know when we send them over to the other person i mean we want to know things like obviously did you have anything to drink within 24 hours of this accident did you take any drugs um whether prescription or otherwise you know were you working at the time of the accident meaning were you on the clock because sometimes you know we think maybe it's just an individual that private individual driving along that caused the accident. But sometimes we've learned, whoa, you were on the clock for a company. Well, now all of a sudden, that opens up a whole nother realm of insurance, another potentially responsible party. And that can be a big deal, especially if it's a major injury with a lot of damages. And, you know, we're, we're trying to find money for our client so those kinds of questions just background questions i mean you know we're entitled to ask about you know criminal history those types of things and coming to us the questions that come to our clients very similar they can ask about criminal history other lawsuits Um, they can ask about prior injuries again to body parts that are being claimed as hurt in this action, Um, you know, those types of things. So it's kind of to get a lot of background information um, on each other so that uh, we get a foundation for where we might be headed in the lawsuit. So once all of that is done, then the second part of discovery um can be depositions now depositions are can be multi uh faceted there there can there's usually obviously the deposition of the plaintiff of the defendant and that means that for example me as the lawyer for the plaintiff is going to take the deposition of the defendant we're gonna really dive in Uh, see what the story is, uh, if there's a, an issue about how the accident happened or something like that, we're going to try to get to the bottom and try to poke through any holes, um, any defenses that the other driver is coming up with about why they shouldn't be considered at fault. Um, you know, if they're saying that our person's at fault, we want to know everything about that and then vice versa the lawyer for the insurance company is going to take our client's deposition and they're going to ask them everything that's been going on Uh, well they're going to ask them about the accident right they're going to again try to get information that helps them Um, they're going to ask them about their injuries they're going to ask them about their prior medical history Uh, again as it relates to issues with with the body parts being claimed as injured. So when the lawyer for the defendant is asking our person questions, it's gonna be centered around the accident, what happened, you know, trying to figure out if there's fault on our person. It's going to be asking about the um, injuries that are claimed. It's gonna be asking about prior medical history. It's going to be trying to find if the person had issues in the past out. Usually by this point, they've gotten medical records and things like that, and they uh, have a good handle on our clients' medical past and the injuries that are being claimed, but they're trying to get the details. And again, they're always looking for anything that might help them. Um, they're going to really find out details about how the injuries have affected them as well. I always tell my clients, there's really two purposes to these depositions for when they're getting asked questions. Number one, there's actually no priority. There's two purposes equally important. Number one, they want to size up our client as a witness. So they they want to be able to go back to the insurance company and tell them that either our client is going to make a good witness. A jury is going to like them. A jury might want to give them money for their injuries or vice versa. Uh, they're going to tell them, you know what, this person's a jerk and I don't know that a jury's going to really love them or want to give them much money and so really important uh when giving your deposition that you don't come off as a jerk Uh, so anyway that's the first purpose or a purpose and the second one is to get all the details about the accident the injuries claim the medical history and again the defense lawyer is looking for all the things that can help them if they have to go try the case for the jury and obviously the insurance company wants them to get everything they can so that they don't have to pay as much as we want them to pay. So those are depositions. The other thing, uh, deposition wise is what if there's witnesses to the accident, right? Well, we're going to round them up. We're going to take their depositions. Um, if there's people that have been a witness to how this has affected our client, things like that, those depositions may occur, family members, things like that. Um, expert witnesses. So a lot of times in lawsuits, you have expert witnesses, right? That can be anything from, you know, if there's any question about how the accident happened, who's at fault, things like that. Well, then there could be an accident reconstructionist involved. That's a, an expert that can take all the physical evidence, and reconstruct the accident Um, again we talked about the black box that's in vehicles so if there's black box data they can utilize that uh, to figure out you know speeds and and how the speeds affected things Um, they take the deposition testimony of the people that were involved in the accident and they can use that in coming to conclusions. Uh, But anyway, accident reconstructionists uh, can come in and give their opinions as to how the accident happened and basically who's at fault. And if it's a commercial vehicle situation, maybe it's a claim against a truck driver. Well, then you have uh, commercial rules and regulations that govern truck truckers and you got to have a an expert come in and talk about any violations that occurred um, by the trucker whether that's keeping of log books um, you know if they weren't keeping their log books accurate to show like when they were resting because there's requirements about when they rest uh and if they are over hours on driving and they were on the road in an over-hour situation when the accident happened and uh just things like that then that is something that an expert has to talk about if there was um oh policies procedures by the company they didn't adhere to them and you know that led to a problem with the driver and that played into how all of this unfolded and the accident happening again That's where that expert would come into play. You've got to have an expert witness on that. And again, if we've got experts, well, another example. um, Well, let's just stick there. So if we've got the experts, then the defendant's going to also have the experts because. There's always two sides to the story, right? At least that seems that's how it seems to go in lawsuits. And so they're going to want to have experts to counter what our experts are saying. So you get into all of that, taking expert witness depositions and medical, you've got to have medical testimony connecting claimed injuries to the accident. And so you've got to have doctors testifying that, you know, these injuries are a result of the accident. You if if this is something that we're claiming is a lifelong injury and that the person may need uh, special care throughout their life, you've got to have a life care planner expert. Um, if it, it, then if there's going to be a lost wage element throughout somebody's life, you've got to have an economist. You may have to have an economist to take the numbers that the life care planner put in. Uh, place because a life care planner is going to say it's going to take X amount of money to provide for the care of this person for the rest of their life. But then you got to have an economist break that down into present day dollar amount. So there is a lot that goes into lawsuits, depending on the severity of the injuries, the complexity of the case. And so again, This is why there are personal injury lawyers. And again, why you really want to have a dedicated personal injury law firm handling the case, because there's just a lot that goes into it. The other thing is this, it costs a lot of money. I've already mentioned four or five different types of experts. These come with significant costs. I mean, you're talking about doctors and usually doctors that have a practice Right. They're doing medical work, but then they've also made themselves available to do this legal type work. And so they're going to charge a lot of money. It's not cheap. And you've got economists, you've got life care planners who a lot of times are medical doctors, or they might be nurses. They're not cheap. We end up in the tens of thousands of dollars on case expenses. And as you'll probably recall, These are expenses that we, the lawyers, put up. We write the checks as we go along, and we get reimbursed only if money comes back. So, and again, that's why you want to have a really strong, dedicated injury law firm that's able to handle the expenses that come with properly pursuing these lawsuits again there's people there's lawyers that will get involved and they're over their head and they they don't have the resources to handle these kinds of claims and that's a that's a really dangerous situation because it can lead to a bad result so this is the discovery process and it can take a while from again exchanging the written documentation, to then getting into depositions. I mean, depositions can stretch out over a a period of months. And, you know, until all those depositions get in place, and again, you kind of got to start with, you know, the fact witnesses is what we call them, right? The people that were involved in the accident, the plaintiff, the defendant, independent witnesses, things like that, you got to get that foundation. Mm -hmm. Then you move to the expert witnesses, uh, so that they can take the deposition testimony and all the other relevant evidence and they can formulate their opinions and then they can give their opinions in a deposition. So it's a pretty lengthy process, but that's discovery. If you ever hear discovery, the discovery process. And by the way, let me just say, this is a good opportunity. You know, I unfortunately, I am up against the expectations of what people see on TV. And it cracks me up and it cracks up most of us lawyers that because of the nature of TV and uh, TV episodes, you know, it's a, um, it has to be a quick turnaround on TV, right? I literally, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Suits. Uh, but it's a show that I watched and it was enjoyable, but it was so unrealistic. Literally, I saw an episode where somebody was in a car accident and within two days they're in court and they're setting it for trial within two weeks. And within that whole episode, right? It's gone from the car accident happening to a trial. And it's like, no, that, that just doesn't happen. So again, they have to do that because of the time constraints of a 40 minute or one hour show, but that's just not, that's just not realistic. You're talking about months. And again, most likely, uh, depending on the complexity of it year to year and a half before you're going to get a resolution on a, injury claim in court that's been filed as a lawsuit and as far as the actual jury trial we can talk about that in a second let me actually talk about uh, settlement during the lawsuit so because you're in a lawsuit does that mean it's not going to possibly settle out of court remember i had this discussion about in court out of court what that looks like Okay, so we're in court now, right? We've got this lawsuit on file, things are happening. Um, But a lawsuit, the legal claim surrounding a lawsuit can settle at any time. And what do I mean by that? That means you could file the lawsuit, you could be waiting to get the defendant served and you know what, it gets settled. Maybe uh, the insurance company, maybe the fact that you filed the lawsuit, woke the insurance company up. Maybe now they want to settle it. They want to get more realistic. Maybe the defendant gets served. They turn the paperwork into the insurance company and they now say, hey, you know what? Let's take another look at this. It can get settled then. The lawsuit can get settled literally at every stage. Maybe we show up to set it for trial and you know, the defense lawyer says to me, hey, they, they want to talk settlement now. Okay, let's talk. Uh, but anyway, it's not the norm for that to happen. Um, I mean, generally speaking, if it didn't get done for whatever reason and a lawsuit had to be filed, it is going to take some work and some time now. To, to get this thing re-evaluated by the insurance company and get it to where maybe now we can talk some real money. So generally speaking, what happens is after some depositions occur, um, the, the issues have been narrowed down, have been brought into greater focus, if you will. Um, then at that point, it's probably a good time to see if there's a opportunity to get it resolved. One of the big things that's been happening now for quite some time, but man, with COVID all of that, it really became even more prominent because jury trials weren't happening. Nobody was actually going to court to resolve these claims. It's mediation. And a mediation is simply the opportunity to come together plaintiff defendant, lawyers um, and a mediator and a mediator a mediator can be a retired judge a mediator can be a retired lawyer that did injury work for a long long time if we're talking about an injury claim there's mediations for all kinds of different lawsuits but we're focused in on an injury claim. anyway it can be a practicing lawyer maybe it's a lawyer that's been doing this for 27 years and people know that lawyer has a good reputation, knows what they're talking about, and they want to hire them to try to bring the case to a settlement. So a mediation provides a great opportunity for everybody to focus in for whatever it looks like, two hours, four hours, six hours, eight hours, two days. It just depends, again, how complex it is and how far apart everybody is, but it's an opportunity to come together and try to get a settlement on the claim. And the cool thing about a mediation is there's nothing binding about it, so you can go do it, Um, you have to pay the mediator. Again, that becomes a case expense that the lawyers put up front, and if and when there's a settlement, they will get reimbursed on that. But they're, they're willing to pay the mediator to try to get it resolved and usually it's split usually the mediator's fee is split between all the parties so if it's a plaintiff and defendant then those two are splitting it equally if there's multiple parties they're splitting it equally but um yeah it's a great opportunity for everybody to come together sit down and try to get this resolved and it's not binding so let's say that uh you know it just doesn't get done and you know one party's at one number the other party's at another number um everybody can walk away and keep pushing down the road for their uh, eventual day in court but mediations are a really really um big thing at this point and you know we find them useful um it's 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 so much more efficient if you can get it done at a mediation, I could do a whole episode on mediations, and maybe I will. Um, but there's a lot of benefit to it because you're avoiding a whole lot more time and expense and the uncertainty, right? That goes with a jury trial. Um, we always talk about a jury trial is like, it's kind of like going to the boats because you are, you're rolling the dice, so to speak, because you are putting your, legal case in the hands of 12 people that they're going to do their best job. I You know, I've tried a lot of trials in front of juries and um, juries take their job seriously. It's so funny because, right, everybody's always like, oh, jury, jury duty, jury duty. But once they get in there, they actually, they, I think they enjoy it for the most part. And, you know they take the job seriously and they listen and um, you know they try to render a fair result. but the problem is nobody knows what that's going to look like. and so it's rolling the dice and it, it's taking a lot of risk and so if you can get something done sooner rather than later and again a mediation is a great opportunity for that that's that's the benefit of that. So that's one way you can settle before you ever get in front of a jury. The other thing is an arbitration. Now, arbitrations, and again, could be a whole nother podcast, and maybe it will. Because arbitrations have a lot of downsides. So a lot of companies, you don't even realize when you're using their service or their product. Part of the agreement, you know, how you get the terms of service that you don't read. You just scroll to the bottom, hit agree, go on so that you can get to using the service or the product um in there they basically put a forced arbitration clause so basically if if you have a an issue say something whatever it is the service you're using the product you're using it causes you harm well you have to uh utilize an arbitration process not a jury process and uh defendants like that better because Arbitrators are usually going to be, um, lawyers, retired judges, um, not everyday people that maybe have the empathy that a jury would have with somebody that's been seriously hurt. They're going to look at it more along the lines of, uh, legal wise. And so, There's just a lot of downsides to arbitration, but arbitration is certainly another way that uh, cases get resolved. And an arbitration is binding. Uh, There is non-binding arbitration, but most of the time, especially if it's forced on you, it's a binding arbitration, meaning whatever the arbitrators decide, you're stuck with it. So that is another way that these cases get resolved. But finally, when all of this has come to conclusion, and if it hasn't gotten settled, whether it's on your own, whether it's through a mediation, whatever, then you're going to a jury trial. And a jury trial for an accident can look like, eh, probably a two day event minimum because usually there's quite a bit of time involved in picking the jury. So usually like 45 people are brought in and from that it's whittled down to the 12 that are going to decide the case. So that takes some time because you, you know, as the lawyers, we have to go through and we have to ask questions of 45 people to find out if they're going to be the right person to sit on this particular jury. Okay, that's what it comes down to. And that involves whether they hold any preconceived opinions that is that's going to affect their ability to simply listen to the evidence in this case and render a verdict simply on the evidence in this case. Everybody's got opinions, right? Everybody's got ideas. But if their opinions or their ideas are going to affect their judgment on this particular case and they'll admit to it, then they're not a good fit for this jury. So anyway, that takes a while. So generally minimum two days for a jury trial. Uh, Again, if it's just a simple, you know, person against person and that's how this is breaking down, then you, you, you know, spend half a day picking a jury Then you got opening statements, and then you start putting on evidence, and then you got closing statements, and then the jury gets it, and then they make a decision. Um, It can go for weeks. You know, if somebody was killed, if there's lots of experts, or somebody was paralyzed or whatever, right? If it's a really big injury or death, something like that, it can go for weeks. It it can, I mean, there's going to be experts scheduled out i mean there's depositions of multiple different excuse me depositions there's going to be testimony so testimony in court at that point of witnesses and there's just a lot that goes into it so you could be looking at two weeks four weeks six weeks or beyond so again that's why if if there's a good opportunity to get it resolved it, it makes sense but sometimes it just doesn't happen sometimes you know, I like to think that the insurance company is just not fairly valuing the claim and we're going to keep pushing forward. And we would rather have a jury tell us that we want too much money apparently than have the insurance company tell us that. And that's where it falls. We, we will let a jury decide because we feel like the people we're representing deserve more than that insurance company is offering. So that's it. And then it goes into, you know, once the jury has rendered their verdict um, that's actually not the final say, because maybe there were things in the trial that happened and um, you know, one party or the other objected, but the, the judge ruled and let it go on. Well, now, if that party lost, they can take those objections that they made at trial and they can appeal the result to the Court of Appeals. And in theory, if they don't like what the Court of Appeals has to say, they can apply to the Missouri Supreme Court to get a resolution. Now, the Missouri Supreme Court doesn't take everything that comes their way. So, but the Missouri appellate courts do. And so if you've got some grounds to stand on, you can go through an appeal and an appeal is going to take probably a year to a year and a half to get a resolution. And then worst case scenario is let's say you got a verdict, let's say you were loving life and it goes through the appeals process and the appellate courts takes the verdict away and says, you got to go retry the case. Oh, you got to go do it again. So and by the way, you can actually settle the case anytime through the appellate process as well. So maybe you get a big verdict. Maybe they're appealing it. But guess what? At this point, you're willing to take less than what you got as the verdict. uh, And the insurance company is willing to pay more now than they were. And it's a good time to get it resolved as well. So anyway, hey, there's the overview of the lawsuit. Next episode, we're going to do kind of a quick wrap up on the anatomy of a car accident injury claim. Again, I hope you're finding all of this information useful. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. And until then, uh, stay safe.